Hi everyone and welcome back to The Spectrum Reality. In my last episode, I talked about therapy and the benefits of ongoing therapy. In this episode, I will discuss stimming, repetitive behaviours, sensory issues and the stigmas that surround ASD children. I will also talk about how these types of behaviours can be seen and encouraged as passions and interests. So let's get started. It is very difficult for children on the spectrum to display non-typical behaviours and mannerisms in many different ways because they are all different. Of course, there are the typical characteristics that lead to diagnosis of ASD, but their personality and their traits are individual to them. And one of the most common behaviours we see in ASD children is stimming. For Amelia, stimming was one of the biggest signs that indicated she was on the spectrum. She displayed stimming at a very early age from at least six months old. It has taken me a long time and a lot of reading and seeking advice from specialists to understand stimming and most importantly to feel okay with her stimming. Stimming is a self-stimulatory behaviour. It usually consists of movements that are repetitive such as rocking back and forth, flapping hands or flicking fingers, unusual body movements and making repetitive noises. As I said earlier, Amelia displayed stimming behaviours from an early age. It first started with moving her feet constantly, and as she got older, she would rock back and forth while flapping her hands, spinning in circles and making noises. In the beginning, it was difficult for me to understand why she was behaving this way, and I would try to make her stop, only because I didn't have the knowledge about what stimming was. It also used to affect me when people would stare at her if we were out in public. It used to make me feel uncomfortable and sometimes a little embarrassed. And to this day, people will still stare at her because they consider her behavior to be abnormal. But over the years, I've come to the point where I don't care and haven't cared in a long time because I accept Amelia for who she is and stimming is part of who she is. It is also not worth my time and energy to worry about what other people think. And at the end of the day, like I've said many times before, it is the world that needs to accept Amelia. Amelia doesn't need to change to be accepted by the world. And most importantly, I don't want Amelia to feel ashamed of who she is. Stimming is part of her and that is perfectly fine. What I have learned over the years is that stimming can actually be quite beneficial for ASD children. For ASD children, their brains process information differently. In Amelia's case, she will use stimming to regulate information and her emotions. Amelia will begin stimming if she has information overload where there is too much stimulation and she will start to rock back and forth and flap her hands while making noises. She will also start stimming if she's not been stimulated enough and she will do this by spinning in her whizzy dizzy spinning toy or a spinny chair. And this need to spin is something which has been encouraged and recommended by her occupational therapist so that Amelia gets the stimulation that she needs. When she is feeling certain emotions, her stimming varies. When she is happy or excited, she will flap her hands and rock back and forward because it is a sensory overload. From speaking to many therapists and specialists, stimming is very common for ASD children and very helpful for them at the same time. And in many ways, it has been encouraged by specialists to allow certain stimming behaviours which will help children regulate and process information. This can be done through many ways by seeing specialists and therapists, but also by getting sorts of things like fidget toys and games and equipment that can help facilitate ASD children and their stimming. One online store that I use regularly is called The Therapy Store. It has so much variety and fidget toys and sensory equipment and it's one of my go-tos when I'm in need of toys and equipment for Amelia.
The other side of stimming, which I want to talk about next, is something that can be referred to as harmful stimming. When it comes to harmful stimming, this is something that we do need to step in and help Amelia try to control. This is because it can affect not only her own health and safety, but sometimes the health and safety of others. When she is sad, angry, anxious or upset, this is when the harmful stimming tends to occur. Amelia will begin to stim in harmful ways by hitting the back of her head or scratching herself to the point where her skin would bleed. And many ASD children like Amelia that stim in harmful ways don't necessarily feel the pain in the same way we do when they hurt themselves. So pain is not something that will deter them or stop them from this type of behavior. This can be difficult for ASD children to try and control and stop themselves in that moment when harmful stimming occurs. And it can be very distressing as a parent to watch this happening and feel like there is nothing you can do to help them. There has been many times when I've had to hold Amelia to calm her down and stop her from hurting herself. Over time, Amelia has become better at controlling herself. She doesn't bang her head as much anymore and she is aware that her incessant scratching can lead to bleeding and pain. She also suffers from eczema, which doesn't help when she is trying to stop herself from scratching. But with the help from her specialist and therapist, particularly her psychologist, we are working on ways to help Amelia regulate and react in appropriate ways during times of stress and anxiety, which reduces the need to stim in harmful ways. Stimming can often only be associated with people on the spectrum, which is a common stigma, but is actually not true. Typical neurologically developed people could be stimming all the time without even realizing they are doing it. For me, I shake my legs under the table and twirl my hair regularly, especially if I'm watching TV. Amelia's big sister bites her nails and twirls her necklace around her fingers for hours. And my husband twitches his legs continuously on the couch. All these behaviors that are considered to be normal are actually types of stimming. This is because, as I said earlier, stimming is a way the brain self-regulates and it is something that everybody does. Clicking a pen over and over, tapping your hand or fingers repeatedly on the table. And you may even notice yourself clicking noises with your tongue or mouth. All these behaviors are considered to be stimming. The difference between a person on the spectrum and a typically neurologically developed person is that you become aware of your behavior if it is bothering someone, whereas a child on the spectrum is not aware of their behavior and in most cases can't control it. Other types of stimming can include tics and facial movements, and this can consist of eye twitching, repetitive blinking, licking lips, and verbal tics, which can be like grunting noises or repeating words, which is a type of echolalia. Amelia displays both types of verbal tics while stimming. She is very vocal most of the time, especially with echolalia. This is another way Amelia tries to process information around her and will tend to repeat words that you have spoken to her or words that she has heard. When it comes to school, she will need to repeat sets of instructions over and over until her brain can process what it is she needs to do. And often in these situations, she relies on mimicking others, which is a very common behavior seen in girls with ASD. Any information she 
has experienced throughout the day, she will repeat in her head until she can process that information and understand it. I will often hear about her day at school, not by asking her and her giving me a detailed account of what happened at school, but by just listening to her talk her way through the events as she repeats to herself the information and conversations she has heard throughout the day. So I do tend to find out what has happened as she recounts her experiences through echolalia. And I've often made a joke to people around Amelia to be careful what they say because Amelia will hear those words and repeat them over and over again. Even I have to be careful about certain words I might say when I'm frustrated and think I'm alone, but she's actually somewhere in the background because she will hear them and repeat them in the most awkward places, such as in front of her therapist. For Amelia, stimming is part of her development and a way her brain processes and understands the information she experiences around her. I now embrace and understand her need to stim. It doesn't bother me or her if people look. And to be honest, the people that know her and are around her all the time have that sense of understanding as well. And I guess, as I said before, it comes down to having the knowledge and understanding and acceptance of children who are on the spectrum. The next part of the podcast, I want to talk about sensory issues, as this is also a part of stimming behaviors. Sensory stimulation can be seen in two different ways. One is when children on the spectrum are highly sensitive to certain senses, such as sounds, smells, textures, tastes, bright lighting, touch, and social situations where they're feeling uncomfortable. The other type of sensory issue is like what I've mentioned before, where they are not being stimulated enough. So they seek ways to feel stimulated. And these ways include things like spinning and movement, making noises. They can even become quite fearless in seeking out this stimulation by climbing at great heights and jumping from great heights as well. Some children on the spectrum may also sit or sleep with weighted blankets or toys in order to get that stimulation they need. In many cases, children on the spectrum display both types of sensory issues and sensitivities. Amelia definitely displays both types of sensitivities. As a little girl, I remember she had an extreme aversion to smells and bright lights. And if we were in a place like a shopping centre, she would cry until we left. This would also happen at friends' and family's houses, and our visits would be very limited. She also had sensory issues with types of food textures in her mouth, as well as certain textures she would touch. She was probably the only kid I've known that absolutely hated Play-Doh because it left an oily type residue feeling on her fingers and forget painting or any type of craft that felt sticky or wet. And for many years she hated the feeling of her clothes being wet. If she spilt any type of liquid on herself she would become really upset and we would need to change her straight away. As you can imagine my laundry was piled high. Another sensory issue she had was the fear of toys that made sounds, particularly high-pitched sounds. I remember when we attended a playgroup, there was a fire engine toy that made the siren sound and it was very popular with the other children. But for Amelia, when someone was playing with it, she would cover her ears and cry because of the sound. It wasn't only those types of toys that bothered her. Things like whistles bothered her, smoke alarms, any type of high-pitched frequency caused her 
her to react. This she still struggles with to this day and I feel it will be something she will struggle with throughout her life. And unfortunately, she doesn't like wearing anything over her ears. So having her wear headphones was never an option. Over the years though, she has become better at coping with some sensory issues. And this is because of her early intervention and therapy sessions. I remember when she was attending AEIOU, they would purposely conduct activities that involved water play, allowing her to get wet and help her feel okay with the sensation of being wet. They also got her to play with different types of textures, particularly food textures. By exposing Amelia to these sensations and textures in a safe, fun setting, it allowed her to experiment with them in a fun way that helped her react differently other than being upset. This worked especially with spilling liquids on herself. If this happens now, depending on the liquid, she just gets a paper towel and cleans herself, which is a real step forward in her development. One, because she's able to react in a different way and two she's able to solve the problem by wiping away the wetness we still have issues with certain textures particularly food textures which may be another sensory issue that stays with her for the remainder of her life but i think with age and maturity she may also learn to be okay with trying new foods and textures for some children on the spectrum even a hug can cause a sensory issue that they may dislike and be overly sensitive to. But for Amelia, this is where she wants the stimulation and loves being hugged by those she feels comfortable with. Over the years, I have learned to apply different types of pressures when hugging Amelia, which have been suggested by occupational therapists to help give her the stimulation she needs. This can help Amelia when she is feeling upset or just wanting to be comforted. She also loves back rubs and I will often rub her back to help her feel calm in uncomfortable or overwhelming situations. This makes me want to address another stigma associated with children and adults on the spectrum, which is they are not affectionate or want affection from others. This may be the case with some children on the spectrum, but in my experience, I've known a lot who are really affectionate. I remember one girl in particular at AEIU, and every time I saw her, she would give me a big hug and smile. And if you haven't watched Love on the Spectrum, a show by the Australian ABC, I highly recommend it because it shows that people on the spectrum want to be in relationships and have great relationships with the people around them, just like typically neurologically developed people. This also brings me to the next part of the podcast that I want to talk about, which is about interests and passions. What could be seen as unusual or inappropriate behaviors could also be regarded as interests and passions that ASD children might have. A child on the spectrum obsessed with wheels and movement could not only be getting a certain stimulation from watching it, but could be understanding something about it that we don't. And in Amelia's case, her passion for listening to sounds made by instruments and objects could sound totally different to her than to me. Maybe she's picking up on some frequency that I can't hear. And I'll often hear her using various noises with her mouth, but in actuality, she is making music because she will start to sing a song along with the noises and sounds that she is making. Another playgroup that Amelia went to was a playgroup that was designed specifically for ASD children. And I remember talking to a mum who was really concerned about her son who was on the spectrum as well. And she was concerned because he was obsessed with his iPad and would never go anywhere without it. Wherever he went, the iPad went. 
And if his mum tried to take it from him, he would have a meltdown. At first, his mum thought it was because it was like a comfort blanket for him or a way he could cope in social outings. I remember her saying she was concerned about his behaviour for a long time, especially because she was worried about the endless screen time. She soon found out that he was actually making documentaries about all the outings he had been on, and it was like he was a little filmmaker. I remember her saying that it didn't bother her anymore because it is his interest and passion, and it might be something that he wants to do when he grows up. After she realised this was something that was important to him and was a passion for him, she became more at ease and accepted that this wasn't an obsessive behaviour, but something that he was truly interested in. All children on the spectrum have their own interests and passions, which can come across as repetitive or obsessive behaviour, but in actuality could be something that has meaning to them and that they may pursue later in life. I have come to embrace all of Amelia's stimming and sensory behaviours, but at times I do feel frustrated, especially when Amelia is asking me a question over and over again, or she gets to the point where she's really loud and can't control her noise level. And if something has upset her and she begins to do harmful stimming, it is normal to feel frustrated and at times exhausted because you are a parent like any other parent and being a parent is challenging. But in those moments, I remind myself it is her way of trying to process the world around her and I need to be supportive of that. There is also times when I do need to gauge whether the types of stimming behaviours are appropriate or inappropriate, especially if she's doing something in a harmful way like yelling in my ear or scratching herself. And I usually will say to her in those moments, it is not okay to behave that way, which for her she does understand. But all children on the spectrum will respond and react to different types of language and social cues. It really is just about understanding and knowing what works best for your own child. Amelia is funny, affectionate and a sweet person, but she is also very cheeky and she knows it. Going through this journey with her and learning everything about ASD has given me a new passion and interest in life. And I look forward to all the new and interesting experiences to come. Thank you for listening and sharing this journey with me. Please join me for the next episode as I talk about family life when living with a child on the spectrum. See you next time.